This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome back into the door report, episode 232 on a lovely Wednesday evening. This time we keep mixing the days up. It's really throwing me, throwing me for a loop. It's been Tuesday, Thursday. Now we're Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Three days away from Vanderbilt's matchup against Hawaii in week zero, August 26th. The boys will be buzzing in lot two. We have a lot to get to today, but welcome back into the door report. We are presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. We have some updated information for you guys out there. Corey made sure that we had the most updated information as far as his email address and phone number are concerned. So if you want to get into contact with Corey, whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes, you can reach out to him at 615-987-8623, or you can contact him via email at Perkins at realtracks.com. Again, that phone number is 615-987-8623. 8623. And that email address is Corey Perkins at realtracks.com. Wanted to get that in there early before I got too excited and got going into this beefy episode 232. Trevor, we have a lot, a lot to get to as Phoebe has already joined I, the picture. While you were doing that wonderful job at the ad read, by the way, I was watching her lurk up and I just started to shake my head because I knew what she was about to do. But before we get into this, shout out to Corey and his wonderful wife, Zoe. This Friday, it'll be August 25th, they are going to be getting married. Uh, so absolutely congratulations to them. Nothing but uh, nothing but the best uh, towards them. Absolutely wonderful people. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, wedding is in two days? Two days. Yep, two days. Three days to kick off. Congratulations, two guys. Two days to Corey's, Corey and his, and his wife's wed- future wife's wedding. So fiance. Fiance. There we go. That's the word. Else. For the next few hours. For the next few hours fiance so congratulations to them and thanks Corey for the support and helping tdr keep the incredible black and gold coverage going as phoebe's heard something and is now looking off into the distance phoebe is now she's she's quite the little attention whore she was yeah, the star, she's, star she's, of last she's episode and, and now she's up a little earlier this go round she so. yeah she she loves watching herself in the camera i can already tell i can't see her eyes right now but i'm looking up at the camera and i can tell that she's going to try and attack the court at some point see phoebe i know you see yourself in the camera right now so she yeah. was a guest now maybe regular recurring guest. executive was, producer yeah. i don't know executive producer just in charge just producer the, <laughs> the entire production team right yes there. this is just this gal <laughs> but outside of phoebe and and her future production uh responsibilities in her new role we do have a lot to get to in episode 232 there was some guy that you invited on the podcast that really wanted to come on. I can't remember his name right now. I'm sure we'll get into it, but we're not going to give that much attention. A little bit of back and forth. You know, there's it, it, he, he was unserious. I mean, it was never serious. Just trying to flex on us. It's a waste of time to even discuss it. But we have the TDR tailgate kicking off at 8 a.m. When the gates open this Saturday in lot two, the depth chart. As Trevor cracks open an ice cold Diet Coke, the depth chart was officially released by Vanderbilt. I'm not sure there were really too many surprises on that, but we'll discuss that not a little really. bit. And then we will dig in to the Hawaii game and the preview and also our predictions for what we expect to see this Saturday as Phoebe begins to attack the cord. Before yep. we get into all of that, Trevor. The little claws out. I see it. The claws are already the out. The little claw. The claws are out. Before we get into that and get into your thoughts on a very busy week here at TDR. 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes or Spotify. It's now time for breaking news. We're back, Trevor, and ready to get into this preview. First, before anything else, just for about 30 seconds, and I'm not even going to ask for your thoughts on it because I don't want to give any more attention and give him the attention he wants. Chad Withrow had a little back and forth with the TDR gang and some Vanderbilt fans over the last week or so. I didn't give it a lot of attention. I sent out one tweet after a few brewskis on Saturday, called him an insecure cuck because he is. Um, And then in response, didn't tag me in any of this. We kind of went back and forth and I invited him to the tailgate on Saturday. said, want to do a live pod since I'm apparently afraid to meet you in person and say that in person. And he said, what time? I said, don't worry. We're out there literally all day. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be impossible this Saturday. I just can't do it. I've got to coach my eight-year-old daughter's softball game. Then I have prior engagements. He was never actually going to join our podcast. That was never a real offer. He was trying to do what Clay Travis used to do on Twitter and quote unquote big dick us by saying, you guys don't even have a studio. It's not 1986. We don't need a studio. We also don't live in our mother's basement. We thought about driving to my parents' house and actually broadcasting from the basement just as a stunt, but will actually pays my rent. So. Yeah, I actually do. Trevor would be homeless and yes, he would be. Will, will is my saving grace. But when I just stopped responding, stopped even engaging because I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll join, you know, he's, I don't think he has anything to add as far as intelligent discussion goes. And I don't think I'm going to add anything as far as it goes, because he called a $300 million investment high school level, which is the issue that I took with the comment, which he's wrong about that. But then I saw in some responses uh, where he said, I'm definitely feuding down, but I want people to know that if they're going to name call another media member in town, shout out to Chad calling me another media member in town that they can get the opportunity to do it face-to-face. I'm happy to meet and have a conversation and explain why it is bad form. Thank you, Chad, for offering to explain media etiquette to me as an employee of OutKick. All right. Then he goes on to say, after someone responded with 63 followers and said, now that's keeping it G, Chad. I can respect it. Chad said, appreciate it. Someone has to instruct the next generation Shout out, Chad. We are the next generation, Trevor. Up top. Hell yeah. He said, I'm putting my dad powers to the test. I already have a father. I'm not going to listen to you. Suck my dick, Chad. That's what I have to say. Meet us in lot two. I'd be happy to join, call in the show, debate why a $300 million investment is not high school level. Trevor, anything to add? Nope. That's it. All right. Now on to the actual episode. The TDR tailgate kicks off at 8 a.m. It's going to run till about 5.30. Trevor, what can everyone expect in lot two? And will you be in attendance? There is something going on on Twitter today. Will you be there? What is your status for the tailgate in lot two on Saturday? Will you be suiting up? We are here from Will's apartment where he pays my rent with breaking news on Hack Squad Jim Duggan's status for Lot 2, Section F, Saturday, August 26th. For those of you who don't know, it's a slow news day. Hack Squad Jim Duggan left his job early, got permission from his boss, was not feeling good, didn't feel good at all, left work early, just went to bed and took a nap, and then woke up at like 3 o'clock. Right now, or I should say earlier, He was deemed day-to-day by coaching staff. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know if he had a fever. Didn't know if he was just sleep-deprived. Didn't know what was going on. But we have inside information from the source. I spoke directly with my alter ego, Hack Squad Jim Duggan, and he told me earlier, the voices in my head were going rampant. And I said, you're going to have to kill me to keep me out a lot, too. You're going to have to put a gun to my head and pull the trigger. Joe Biden, you're going to have to bring in the National Guard because I ain't going nowhere. 8 a.m., 730. I don't care if it's 545 in the morning. We're going to be in lot two. 
I will not drink as much as Will. I will probably be drinking lots of Pedialyte because I got to stay mentally sharp for the boys. The boys need me. Some girl on Hinge is like, what are you doing 6.30 Saturday night? I said, sorry, Sadie. The doors need me. So breaking news, Hacksaw Jim Duggan will, of course, be in attendance. If you actually thought I wasn't going to show up, then you just you obviously don't know me. I would you would you would have to kill me to keep me from going to the tailgate and lot two section F. It was always lot two. Will. it was always lot two breaking news and breaking hearts. That's what Trevor Hoolan does. Sorry, Sadie on the pod. Sorry, Sadie. Sorry to break your heart here. Hack squat's going to be inside first bank going crazy. First gotta, bank. I will be inside you gotta bring the violence, but. Absolutely electric. I can't wait to clip that and put that part out right there, Trevor, as we try to do a, a few more of those video clips of the pod. This just this means something to me. But this means something to me. Every single person listening to this podcast needs to come to the tailgate, needs to come to lot two. We need to have the lot buzzing. The environment in lot two is going to be fun. It's going to be incredible. We're going to have food. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have the games on the TV. We're going to have music going, a lot of tents, a lot of options for food, Hawaiian chicken, burgers, hot dogs, anything you can think of. And the boys, Trevor, the boys are going to be buzzing. That's what the boys are going to be sounding like. I can't, I can't wait, dude. I, you want to know what? I think part of the reason I was so tired was because last night I couldn't go to sleep and I was just thinking about the tailgate and I was just thinking about, dude, it's like, just imagine with me right now. It's about three 30 Vandyville and lot two is going crazy. The boys are inside Magoogan getting ready. And then all of a sudden dynamite comes over the speaker at lot two at a hundred percent volume. So loud that my little peanut brain inside my skull starts to rattle. It bounces off the walls. And it's looking like it's going to be a hot day out there. We are going to have waters. We are going to have Gatorade if you need them. It's going to be a hot day. You got to be gritty. You do. It's time to bring out the grit. 97 degrees, sunshine. But I can tell you one thing that's better than rain. Oh, yeah. I just keep looking at that forecast. I don't care if it's 110 degrees. I just don't want rain. Yep. That's it, and it doesn't look like that's in the forecast. So bright and sunny forecast for the Lot 2 TDR tailgate. The TDR flag will be flying high, so you will be able to see where we are. But there's a little bit more to get to here in this episode, Trevor. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt released the official depth chart. They did. I don't think there were a lot of surprises. There were also not a lot of oars on the depth chart, which is very nice to see. It's very nice to see a lot of the main positions are settled. The only oars on this depth chart were at the third string quarterback position, Walter Taylor or Drew Dickey, and at the place kicker position, Jacob Borsilla or Brock Taylor, which we discussed in, I think it was the def defensive and special teams preview yes. we discussed. Okay. I was about to say the offensive preview, but that was going to be wrong. I'll run through the list here, name off the starters, uh, and then we can discuss anything that sticks out to you. Uh, on the depth chart here, but a quarterback, A.J. Swan, running back, Patrick Smith, named as the starter here, not an or next to his name, uh, with Chase Gillespie as the backup at the running back position. That stuck out to me. At wide receiver, you have Will Shepard, Quincy Skinner Jr., and Jaden McGowan, all starting. At tight end, Justin Ball. Uh, at fullback, or is F back? I'm guessing that's fullback. You have Logan yes. Kyle. Uh, left tackle, Gunnar Hansen. Left guard, Delphin Xavier Castillo. Center, Julian Hernandez. Right guard, Bradley Ashmore. And right tackle, Junior Azebu. Anything stick out to you, Trevor, on the offensive side of the ball that I just read off? Not really, no. I, it's about what we expected. About what everybody expected, yep. Pretty much what we expected. The only, I would say, even slightly surprising thing that I just read off is Patrick Smith winning that job outright. I, I think there was a little bit in my mind that was expecting to see an or next to Patrick Smith and Chase Gillespie or see possibly Chase Gillespie take that starting job. To me, that's a good sign that Patrick Smith has taken that job despite not hearing a lot of buzz and his name plugged a lot in pressers. I was expecting Patrick Smith to take that role as RB1, even though I think we will see a lot of running back by committee. So seeing his name at the top of the depth chart 
is a positive to me. I did hear a lot of people um, discussing the fact that Richie Hoskins is second string over Junior Cheryl. Um, maybe that is a little bit surprising, but to be honest, this early in the season, um, how the depth chart is arranged doesn't like that doesn't bother me. Like that specific arrangement doesn't really bother yeah, me. Yeah, and having now. Junior Cheryl listed, yeah, as well is is significant. Yeah, that means you're 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 going see to him. see him play, and he might be listed below as that kind of third string slot because keep in mind he's a freshman. He's five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy two pounds. Yeah, small. He he's going to have specific plays, specific packages. He's not an every down type of guy. He's just not. I mean, Jade McGowan's small and he's five foot eight, a buck eighty one. Yeah. He's got ten pounds on him and three less inches. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's considered very small, unable to hold up to the hits. So Junior Cheryl, I actually heard Clark Lee on one oh four five three HL. He was interviewed today. Yeah, five o'clock. Yep, heard a little clip of that, and he mentioned Junior Cheryl, a guy that you would see, kind of a newcomer. Uh, You will see him on the field. I think I heard Clark Lee say. I do think, and 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 quote me if I'm wrong. I don't. I'm going to look over your shoulder real quick. I don't. I don't think London Humphreys is listed on the depth chart. Uh, no, I didn't think so. Oh yeah, he is. Oh, yes, wait, he oh, is, is he? Is? Yep. I missed it. I right, missed a, it. right under Will Shepard. I've actually got the depth oh, chart. Oh, yes. Well, I totally If you're watching that. on the video, you can see it. But I've got the depth yeah. chart pulled up on my phone. So this is. Uh, I totally missed that. To yep, London Humphreys right below Will Shepard on the depth chart. I think that means you probably won't see him much because I expect Will Shepard to be on the field 98 percent of the time. But I think you'll probably see him a I lot think in the you second will, half. I think you will see some London Humphreys. So a couple freshmen that could see significant time at that wide receiver position, hopefully will see significant significant time this Saturday in Junior Cheryl and London Humphreys. If you see significant time for them, that means things have gone very well. Also probably going to see significant time for Cam Johnson at the tight end slot. Yeah. Um, I think listed second string right now behind, mm-hmm. of course, yep. Justin Ball. Um, voted captain, I believe. Uh, Justin Ball was. Yeah, yes. I believe. Yeah, I believe Justin was voted captain. Yeah. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see a lot of the young guys this weekend. Yeah. And if Justin Ball can stay healthy, I mean, he can fill the role that Vanderbilt needs at tight end. I, I think when we did the offensive preview, I did a poor job of hitting on the fact it's not that I think Justin Ball doesn't have the potential to be a good tight end. Vanderbilt just had so much depth last year and had two, and had multiple tight ends with that talent level and with the injury that they suffered and now having a freshman in Cam Johnson, who is 6'5", 221, uh, but just doesn't provide the blocking that they had last season from the tight end position. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, uh, going uh, reading off the starters again like I did with the offense at cornerback, you have Tyson Russell and B.J. Anderson with Martel Height and Trudell Berry as the backups there. At the anchor position, you have C.J. Taylor. At safety, Jalen Mahoney. At the other safety position, Dericky Wright. At the Mike linebacker, Ethan Barr with Langston Patterson as his backup. At the Will linebacker position, you have Kane Patterson. At the star position, you have Anis DeCosmo with Miles Capers as his backup. At the nose tackle position, you have Devin Lee. Michael Spencer is his backup. Defensive tackle, you have Nate Clifton with Braden Baptist as his back, backup. And then at defensive end, you have Darren Agu. And I'm going to butcher it like I always do. Isa. Isa Wutaha. Chloe, yeah, Wutaha. Yeah, Wutaha, great there we job. Go. It's his backup, and then Linus Zunk. Also listed there. Trevor, does anything stick out on the defensive side of the ball? Um, I think we should note that Darren Agu is listed on the depth chart, but per Clark Lee and his press conference, he's out for this game. Um, so as everybody remembers, has a little bit of a elbow issue that he suffered recently. It's not serious. Um, a lot of people were honestly saying that he could play this weekend. A lot of people were expecting him to play this weekend. Um, I, I don't think you need him. I, I'd say I don't think you need him. I know you don't need him. So, yeah, go ahead and sit him. Go ahead. Maybe sit him for A&M as well and let him get healthy for Wake Forest. Um, so we will see Issa Wataha uh, at that defensive end position. So I'm really, really excited about that. No Davion Davis as well. Clark Lee also said in this press conference, um, a little bit of a flare-up in his knee from that ACL. Prince Collie. Yes, Prince Collie. And then, of course, everybody knows Prince Collie during um, camp has had a little bit of, of injury issues, but none of those guys are major. I honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they were all back next week. The Prince Collie of, of all the players you just named off, Davion Davis and Darren Agu were very, we are very aware 
of what their injury issue is. And you, he, it's not going to be said by a coach, but if they didn't think that they already had an, a large gap in talent and had a lot of advantage already in this matchup, that those guys would probably be able to suit up. They're not suiting up because it's the smart thing to do. The Prince Collie injury concerns me just a little bit more. You see, I think if Vanderbilt started out with Wake Forest week zero, I think all three of those guys probably play. That's why it doesn't. I worry think Agu me. and Davion Davis do. I'm not sure. You're not Prince sure about Collie. Prince. I, I'm not sure what's going on there. They've been a little bit more tight lipped about what is going on with Prince Collie and his injury status. So I don't know if you know more than I do. I've just heard it's not serious. I, I keep hearing it's not serious, but we kind of know what's going on with Agu. I mean, you knew he dislocated his elbow. There was no significant damage. He'd be wearing a brace. And with Collie, it's just kind of a black hole of information. I think a lot of it, too, is maybe still trying to learn the scheme a little bit, maybe a little bit of that defensive side of the ball, uh, transitioning teams. Did get to Vanderbilt a little bit late, so doesn't have didn't have as much time as a lot of the other guys. I think DeCosmo came even earlier than him. DeCosmo came like, he definitely came early. He was in the spring game. Yeah, and as um, far as that star position goes, I think you'll see quite a bit of rotation with DeCosmo and Capers. Yeah. I think you will see quite a bit of Miles Capers. Who's in the third string at the star? Uh, BJ Diakite. Uh, yeah, I think I would I really, really like to see him this weekend. Yep, I, I think we will. Athletic, rangy guy. But uh, on the defense, sophomore. nothing... Nothing uh, nothing really surprised me, to be honest with you. I think the only surprise was Darren Agu being listed on the depth chart only to quickly be nixed five minutes later in the press conference. But yeah, and that, then, that doesn't none of this worries me. Yeah, none, none of it's concerning yet. And it's who Vanderbilt opens up the season with being cautious with guys that you'll need for week, game three against Wake Forest making sure they don't get nicked up and they're 100% for the game that you need all your guys there. Yeah. At the cornerback position, I was going to say, yeah. the the guys we expected to see at the top of that depth chart did end up being at the top of that depth chart in Tyson Russell and B.J. Anderson. Trudeau Berry and freshman Martel Height, I think, made a little bit of a push there. And I wouldn't be surprised if you might see a little movement as the season goes on. But that's a position that has a lot to prove especially against this Hawaii team. I think, too, and we've been very harsh on Tyson and BJ as well. Um, them starting this game also doesn't really bother me because even if um, Height and Trudell started, you're still going to see a ton of Tyson and BJ regardless. Even if, even if they're not starting, you're still going to see them on the field like what – 40 50 percent of the time you know what i'm yeah. saying so you're still going to see them a ton so who really gets that first snap of the game honestly does not it's not a big deal in my opinion i will say going back to darren Agu, i, I just want to yeah. do this little tidbit and then we get back to the cornerbacks i did have somebody tell me um i just thought of this i i don't know why i totally blanked i had somebody tell me a little inside scoop um that darren could have played like if they if they wanted him to play, like he definitely could have played today or today, um, Saturday. So if you're if anybody is not keeping it up with his elbow, um, he's fine. He's he's gonna be back. They somebody told me that if he if they wanted him to play, he would be out there no problem. So okay. don't worry about it. So no concerns about Darren. Again. No about Darren. None about Davion. Yeah, none about Davion. He'll be coming back from from an ACL tear that he suffered last year, I believe. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he even played last year too, yeah. towards the tail end of the season. Yeah. So. That's just not wanting to risk re-injury or swelling or, or whatever. It's a little bit of game gamesmanship. gamesmanship out of Clark Lee. But the last portion of this, because we do have a whole Hawaii preview that we'll be sure to discuss Vanderbilt's roster a little bit more, the special teams. Kickoff specialist, Will Ferris. Close personal friend of the pod. We know you listen. Will and Jacob hey, yep. and Jacob Lurie. We all, and dude, shout out to my, my big homie, Charlie Clark, repping the mustache hard. I love it. Um, yeah, shout out to those guys. And then place kicker. It's one of the two oars on the depth chart. We're, it's, is it oar season again? It's oar season. <laughs> Kill me. Jacob Bursilla, the transfer from Kansas, graduate transfer and freshman Brock Taylor. There's an oar. This is going to be something to watch early in the season. And then at punter, you have Matt Hayball, consistent, going to be a stud this year, long snapper, because we got to give a shout out to our boy, Wesley Schelling. All SEC, All baby. SEC, baby. Absolute stud, absolute dog, dog. And then at punt returner, hate it, I'm hate gonna, it, hate I'm it. I'm gonna hate grit it. my teeth here. Will Shepard, kick returner, 
Jaden McGowan. Hoping to see some electric returns from Jaden this year. We'll see how much that actually ends up being a thing. You don't think so? No, I'm no. My, I was shaking my head at the wheel. Like I understand you have to put him at punt return, but dude, like I'd almost rather as just not put somebody back at punt return, and if they just drill it and <laughs> just drops in between the one well, every I, single time, I'm like, bit. dude, screw it. Like we ball. Am I making this up in my mind? I could be just. This could have been a dream that I had that junior Cheryl had been taking some snaps at punt returner and looked pretty good. Or am I thinking I, Martell height? No, I, I, I think height. I okay, think it's it height. height is I, one thinking. of those two, one Phoebe, of the, our executive producer, where are you? Keep fact check this for us. She's yeah. sleeping. Yeah, she, she's, she's just sleeping, sleeping over there. We don't have a second camera to cut, but good job by our production crew. Yeah. Fact check. But yeah. Uh, we, that's why we of, pay her the big bucks. One of those two freshmen, it doesn't really matter for the point I'm making was taking snaps at punt returner and actually looked okay, looked pretty good. But clearly they had seen enough where Will Shepard just fair catch every single punt. I don't want to see him get hit. I just want to see him field the punt and get the offense on the field. That is all I want to see out of Will Shepard returning punts this year. If I see him like take a punt back, I honestly, I, like I said previously on a pot, I might throw up. I, it's going to make me a little bit ill kicker. That's what I want to hit on. There's this no, is interesting. There's no controversy anywhere else. Punter is who it is. Long snapper is who it is. Wesley Schelling. Got to repeat it again. Stud, friend of the pod. Dog. Who do you see coming out and taking that first kick, whether it's an extra point or a field goal? I have no idea. Neither do <laughs> I. Have, I have no idea. Um, do you see both of them a little bit? Maybe. Not, not like, I'm like, if Vanderbilt goes out to a convincing lead, I would imagine, and there's an opportunity to kick a field goal or an extra point. I think you're going to see both. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be Jacob. I, I, I don't ask me why it's also recency bias. Cause I met him at door jam. Also huge guy. I was like, look, I'm like, Oh my God, this is massive. Um, but then I, I don't know. I think it's probably going to be Jacob just cause he's done it. Yeah. That's who I, that's why I've said it is he's, kicked in games he didn't have incredible career stats but has not mixed missed an extra point that's all that matters i think you'll see jacob first and you'll see brock taylor get some opportunities but i think it will be the graduate transfer's job to lose i think that's a good thing yeah i totally agree but we're gonna see and and maybe we'll see both hopefully the kicking the kicking game is not even controversial throughout this year it, and but that might be dreaming well no i don't I don't think it'll be controversial. Maybe. I don't know. Have we harped on the kicking game too much? Not a lot. Yeah. It's just kind of like, eh, we'll see. D just hit your, just hit the extra points, dude. And I'm good. You yeah. know what? Yeah. Let's just hit the extra points, dude. And everything's gravy. We, on we say side. that we say that now we do say that now we'll see how it goes, but here comes the first preview of 2023 Vanderbilt. Hawaii, week zero, 6.30 p.m., Nashville, Tennessee, SEC Network, in a loaded Saturday of college football. I mean, the matchups this Saturday are incredible but you want to read read off a couple matchups for us dude i want to let me get the let me get the saturday we, schedule dude at 1 30 at lot two dude we are going to the music is going to be bumping and we are going to be so locked in to notre dame navy notre so, dame navy so, because we are mentally so ill so that's why i'm majoring it that's why i'm i'm in a psychology program right now because i'm actually trying to wonder and figure out what's wrong with me it's, it's, it's really just introspective. But really, not joking, Vanderbilt-Hawaii, probably the best or second best matchup. Uh, Does this Nebraska Saturday. play again? I don't Am believe I so. That up? Yeah, I don't believe Nebraska plays. I'll read them off here. Navy-Notre Dame kicking off at 1.30. UTEP-Jacksonville State. Ohio at San Diego State. Uh, Massachusetts at New Mexico State. Oh, she's back. Hawaii at Vanderbilt. Incredible matchup. And then San Jose State at USC. And then you also have FIU at Louisiana Tech. So the matchups just keep building up and getting better throughout the day. But the boys will be playing. Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Vanderbilt's a 17.5 point favorite. 
the over under as Phoebe is trying to interrupt the podcast. She just she just wants to read some of your notes. Just wants to read some Phoebe, of these do beautiful here, notes. Phoebe, do you have anything down. to say? She said she had nothing. Deep insight there. Uh, Vanderbilt's a 17 and a half point favorite. The over under is 55 and a half points. Of course, we all remember last year. Vanderbilt beating the Hawaii Rambo Warriors in Hawaii, 63 to 10. Timmy Chang comes into town year two. Clark Lee, year three. Very similar guys taking over the program kind of at the absolute bottom, rock bottom where they could be taking them over. A little note I had written down, Hawaii only had five returning starters from 2021 to 2022. And this year, there's not a lot of returning either from a bad Hawaii team that went three and 10 last season. So Trevor, what are your initial thoughts going into this game? How are you feeling? Um, And just to clarify, we're not in the keys yet. Okay. Well, just looking at Hawaii's, I I told Will earlier, I've been dissecting Hawaii's uh, depth chart Um, and they're small. I mean, it's just, and like, I'm not hating on them. It's just a fact. I think their offensive line averages out to like 290 pounds. Um, they actually have an offensive lineman at running back, uh, so I'm at, I'm very interested to see him run the ball. I I I really I really want to see him tote the rock. Like if, if whenever they line him up in the backfield, I'm going to be absolutely electric. So I just want to see the big boy tote the ball. Um, very small up front. A uh, returning quarterback. I think mm-hmm. he threw like what. 11 touchdowns, 10, yeah, 13 picks. touchdowns, 10 picks. Yeah. Last season. So I was close. Yeah. Um, not great. Um, and that's putting it lightly. Um, just offensively, just they, Vanderbilt's yeah, defense should have their way to, to give a little bit of a little bit of context to why we did a preview of Vanderbilt's entire schedule, uh, last episode in episode two thirty one. but Hawaii returns Braden Shager, uh, Threw for 2,348 yards last year, 13 touchdowns, 10 picks. Uh, they lost their starting running back, uh, but they do return Tylen Hines, who was kind of the second string guy, but averaged 7.6 yards per carry last season. Uh, 83 carries, 634 yards. They also uh, return a little bit of talent at receiver. There weren't a lot of incredible stats put up, but Jonah Pinocchi or Pinoke. Uh, however you pronounce that, caught for over 100 yards last season against Vanderbilt. He only caught for like 312 uh, the rest of the entire season, but uh, he does return for Hawaii uh, and did have a big performance against Vanderbilt. They Hawaii only returns one offensive lineman uh, on the roster from a line that was already not very good last season. They do have some Power 5 transfers, or not yes. Power 5, but transfers. Yeah coming in they have a nose tackle from washington his name is completely slipping my mind Uh, and then they also have a cornerback who transferred in from wyoming Uh, both of those guys i believe are going to be plug and play type guys so hawaii was awful last year they They lost improve they did improve as the season that is something that we wanted to hit on is hawaii was awful last year they went three and ten if you watched the game that vanderbilt played against hawaii last season vanderbilt's talent gap vanderbilt was so much better than Hawaii was, but Vanderbilt wasn't talented, but yeah, exactly. And keep in mind, and this is what I wanted to point out. And then we'll get to the three keys. That's the part Billy always did the intros. So I'm, I'm learning on the fly and improving as we go, but we are going to get to our three keys, the game uh, for Hawaii Vanderbilt uh, right after this, but Hawaii, after they got absolutely obliterated by Vanderbilt, obliterated by Western Kentucky, 49-17, obliterated by Michigan, 56-10, and then they won their FCS matchup. They went on to actually win three games. They beat FCS to Kane, beat Nevada, 31-16, and then beat UNLV, 31-25. But it's not just that. they all Their games were also a lot more competitive mm-hmm. as the season went on, and, and a lot of those stats got a lot better as the year went on with Timmy Chang in his first season. So before we get into our three keys of the game, we do need to take a little cocktail break, Trevor, before we get into the three keys. Oh God. I almost forgot. I meant to do it before we even got into breaking down Hawaii, but everyone out there time to grab a crispy boy, take a pause. Hope you enjoyed your delicious cold beverage and you have it sitting next to you and you're sipping on it, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. We do not discriminate here whatsoever. Trevor's got a Diet Coke. I've got a Miller Lite. 
It's time for the three keys of Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. And then we'll get into predictions. So, Trevor, what's your key number one? My key number one, tote the rock. Um, you have an experienced offensive line going up against a very, very small defensive front in Hawaii. Um, yeah, is there question marks with the running back position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't think that really matters. I think Vanderbilt is going to be so or should be so much more dominant and physical in the trenches that it really shouldn't matter. Um, run the ball, run it down their throat, um, take control of the game early. Um, I think that's, that's the big thing for me in this game. Key number one, run the ball. I think whether it's, it's, Gillespie or Patrick Smith or SETI or AJ. I think it'll probably be a combination of all four of those guys. Um, just go out there and do just tote that rock. Make them make them wish that they never got on that plane to Nashville. I want it to be an absolute mall fest. I agree. I think we were discussing before the podcast that Vanderbilt's running attack, when you just take a step back and look at it objectively, and you're not following the team very closely, having Mike Wright and Ray Davis going into last season, the rushing attack is less proven this year going in. Vanderbilt ran for 404 yards on this Hawaii defense last season. And if you haven't, go check out the Hawaii roster and depth chart. Vanderbilt should be able to bully this team and bully this line and be able to bully them in the trenches. But Trevor, that's, that's going to be in my keys, so I'm not going to dig into that too much yet. My number one key to the game is on the opposite side of the ball, is in the trenches on defense. Create havoc, create pressure. That's my number one key. You don't have Darren Agu, but this offensive line from Hawaii is also undersized. Vanderbilt had three sacks against them last year. They run that run-and-gun, run-and-shoot style offense under Timmy Chang that they traditionally ran when he was a player there. Creating havoc, creating quick pressure, and getting them out of rhythm. I think that's going to be a key and something that Vanderbilt can do. Vanderbilt had no tackles for loss last year. A lot of that is because of the scheme that Hawaii's, that Hawaii runs. Vanderbilt did have three sacks last year against Hawaii. I want to see more than that. I mm -hmm. want to see four-plus sacks. I want to see Hawaii uncomfortable. And I think that's something that Vanderbilt and this front seven and specifically the defensive line can do is make Hawaii uncomfortable. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, too, even and I'm glad you brought that up because that's not one of my keys. Um, I think for the defense, I think it's going to be really assuring um, to fans if you can get pressure, which you should be able to with your front four dropping the rest of the defense back, even maybe even getting pressure with just three uh, and dropping back seven. Uh, and really, really, really making it tough on on the quarterback, on the wide receivers. Um, that's that's a that's a that's a great point. And I, if the defense can't do that, then it's it's honestly a huge red flag for me. Yeah, that's more to also prove that we've talked about it. You look at the roster. I know Davion Davis and Darren Agu are not playing. I know Prince Kali is not playing. But we've talked about all off season that this defensive line and this linebacking group should be one of the best that we've seen at Vanderbilt in not just recent history, but in history at Vanderbilt. This should be a very, very improved front seven. If you can't create havoc and pressure against Hawaii, you're going to have a lot of trouble creating havoc and pressure against any opponent in the SEC. So it's more proving that they can do it. And if it doesn't happen, then it's a red flag versus it proving that they're going to do it the rest of the year. It just has to be done. They have to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's your key number two, Trevor? My key number two is get A.J. Swan comfortable early. Um, I think you know that this wide receiver group is probably the deepest that Vanderbilt has had since the 2012 team. Jordan Matthews, Chris Boyd, um, the late, great Jonathan Krause, baby. Um, get A.J. comfortable early. Um, of course, me and Will on this pod would love nothing more than to see just a a, a Will Shepard go streaking down the field and just bombs over Broadway all game. Did you game say the long. late great Jonathan Kraus? Yeah, yeah, he's not dead. No, there's not like a term you use whenever somebody's died. Just like be like, oh okay. yeah, okay. No, yeah, he no, he's alive. Okay. 
Yeah, late great John of the No, he's not dead at all. He's he's, he's thriving. What the hell? No, right. no, Johnny Johnny Krause is doing good. Right. It, I just was like it was taking my brain a second to process. Maybe that. I, I like, used Jonathan Krause dead. Maybe <laughs> I maybe I did use that phrase in like the wrong definitely, situation. That is 100% a phrase you use when somebody's passed away. Okay, then my apologies. The late great. Do, <laughs> do we edit that out or do we <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I just I yeah. I hope the video captures my brain. You look, your like, brain looked like it stopped for a second. Did. There was no, every, I can't even remember what I was thinking about before. I can't even remember what you were saying. That just wiped my whole heart. But no, yeah, this is one of the, this is the deepest wide receiver group that Vanderbilt has had in, in probably a decade. Um, and, and like, like we said, we would love to see nothing but bombs over Broadway. We'd love to see them stretch the field. I hope they do stretch the field in this game, but I think, you should get AJ comfortable in the game early. I think that does play into having the running game go. Um, if the running game is going and the passing game can obviously open up, uh, but vice versa, if you have the passing game going, that's also going to open up the run game. So they work hand in hand. Um, maybe a couple little, maybe a couple little bubble screens to Jaden McGowan, um, a couple of slant routes, just some quick, easy passes to maybe just get him get him in rhythm, get him comfortable, and then, of course, open up the playbook a little bit more. But it also comes down to that offensive line. Keep him protected. Um, you you should have no issues blocking this Hawaii defensive line. Now, if they get creative with stunts, with blitzes, um, with different sorts of packages and looks, can that present problems? Of course. It's week zero, the first live-action game they've had all season. Anything can happen. Anything can can sort of get them out of rhythm. It's there's still going to be a little bit of rust on them just because it is the first live game. So I'm I'm not too worried about that. But do what you need to do to get him comfortable. Just a couple easy passes, just to just to build that confidence. You know what I'm saying? I like that because I don't have anything related to that and my keys. But that is something that I expect to happen. Is is I expect this offense to get in rhythm against Hawaii. So that's a very good key to have. My key number two, Trevor, is very similar to your key number one, and it's control and dominate the line of scrimmage. And I'm talking about Vanderbilt's offensive line dominating Hawaii's undersized defensive line. The running game and running backs and backfield is unproven. You don't have a running quarterback this year. So the offensive line has to do the job and has to grease they have to provide the grease. The grease gang's got to get going. The beef up front has got to get going. So very similar to your key number one, Trevor, is establish that offensive line. Keep the pressure off of Swan. Allow A.J. Swan and this talented receiving core to get into rhythm, which this offensive line this year should be able to do. We listed off the depth chart. A lot of returning talent, a lot of experience. These guys have been playing together for a while, and Patrick Smith and Chase Gillespie are going to have to replicate the pre- the playmaking ability that you lost with Mike Wright at quarterback in the running game. Yeah, absolutely. Before I go into my next key, can I ask you a question about what we're going to see on offense this weekend? Um, so if you weren't listening or you didn't read up on Clark Lee's uh, press conference that he had this Tuesday, um, he made mention that Vanderbilt is probably going to run a lot of 11 personnel very early. Um, as everybody here would love to see Vanderbilt go four or five wide and just air it out. Um, do you think this game, what is your expectation for the offensive game plan going into this game? Do you think they keep it kind of vanilla given that it's week zero, given that you're just trying to get everybody loose and sort of in that mojo in that rhythm, or are we going to see a couple plays to where Vanderbilt sort of doesn't open up the playbook, but maybe, run some sort of formations that we haven't traditionally seen like a four wide, like a five wide and just empty backfield and just let them toss it around the yard. I think that's a nuanced answer and boring answer that I'm going to give. I don't think Clark Lee after the experience he had in game one is ever going to take an opponent or a win for granted ever again and have just a kind of, we can just roll out this whatever game plan, vanilla game plan on offense and move the ball. I don't think that'll happen. I also don't think you're going to see too much experimentation. I don't think you're going to see a lot of things tested out. I don't think you're going to see a lot of new stuff. I think the offense is going to look pretty similar to some of the games you saw with AJ Swan last year. I think it's going to be kind of in the middle. That's a very boring answer. I think I think this is going to look relatively like a normal game, and it, the offense is going to have to mix in some more wrinkles as the season goes on. 
and the defenses they're playing get better. I think Clark Lee expects this offensive line to just be able to dominate Hawaii. They want to build up a lead early, and then that's going to completely change my answer. Then you can do whatever you want. So I think Clark Lee probably has two things in his mind. Is One, I want to get up early with our base best 10, 15 plays that we're going to run, treat it as a scrimmage, get up, move the ball, which I believe this offense can move it on Hawaii, but it's not a very fun answer. I have no idea, but I think it's not. I don't think it's just going to be. I don't think vanilla would be the right way to describe it because that's kind of how you describe a team that is not wanting to show anything. And uh-huh. I don't think that's the perspective that Vanderbilt's taking it is. I don't think that they're trying to hide plays for later in the season. I just think that they're not going to come out overconfident ever again with Clark Lee and the staff. Uh-huh. And, and so the reason I asked that is because I, we always bring up the ETSU game and I hate to keep bringing it up, but something that, that honestly has stuck with me from that game um, I remember the first play from scrimmage that Vanderbilt had on offense. They opened up in a pistol formation, and we—I I don't know if we'd ever—I don't think I'd ever seen a, a Vanderbilt football team in any sort of pistol formation in my entire life. So that was something. Of course, it was Clark Lee's first game, new offensive uh, scheme, but that was something that I was like, "Oh my God, we have never seen this before." And so I'll, I'll ask a follow-up question. Well, it's, it's sort of the same question, but I, I think you'll you'll get the difference. Offensive, from the offensive perspective, is this going to be maybe more of a run-heavy game? Or are they going to lean into their pass game knowing that it is the dominant weapon on offense? What I want to see, and this isn't one of my keys, but if, I, if there's one thing I'm looking for in offense, I want to see wide receiver screens that get your playmakers in open field and one-on-one situations against Hawaii. Easy passes, easy, low-risk plays. They get Jade McGowan, they get Will Shepard, they get Quincy Skinner Jr. in one-on-one positions with under-athletic corners and guys on the outside against Hawaii. I think that's something you haven't seen a lot since Clark Lee got here. It's something new to work on, and it's also something that's not showing anything crazy two SEC opponents and getting it on tape. So I think that's a really tough balance at the beginning is wanting to work on things, wanting to improve offensive plays that you're going to run later against SEC opponents, but also not get too much on film and yeah. not show these SEC defensive coordinators what you're doing. So, And that's that's sort of where I sit at because there I, I would love nothing more than to see Vanderbilt just sort of go into maybe – what we would think of as a spread formation to where you have four wide receivers, five wide receivers out there, maybe have AJ in the backfield by himself and, and not running like four verts, but easy dump off plays to where, like you said, because you've spread the field so much, you have those easy well, passes because there is so much space on the field. Also, I'm going to kind of take back what I said. I don't think you're going to see a lot of what you saw last year because a lot of last year was two tight end sets and you just don't, you simply don't have the personnel to do that this year. So you're just not going to see that. So, yeah, I want to see a lot of screen action. I think AJ can make the decisions that need to be made. I think the offensive line is very experienced and can open up holes and get those guys in in playmaking spots and run everything correctly. So, yeah, I want to see a lot of screen action. If I had to say one thing specifically, whether it's wide receiver or running back or even working in somebody like Cam Johnson at the tight end position. If Vanderbilt goes through this game and we don't really see them stretch the field in the passing game, would that concern you? A little bit, um, just because obviously Vanderbilt struggled with big passing plays last year and stretching the field, more of a quarterback situation. But you do lose big playmaking ability with Mike Wright leaving. I mean, it's something that all Vanderbilt fans kind of expected and wanted to happen. I think it was a mutual yeah. split. I don't think there's any ill will. But you lost some playmaking and big play ability with Mike Wright. So, he, I mean, he did have the 87-yard run we all remember from last year. Vanderbilt didn't have a play over 39 yards, which, I mean, is still a decent-sized play. But over 39 yards outside of that Mike Wright run. So, Are you serious? Yeah, I don't want to build up. Really? Yeah, they had a uh, Ray Davis had a 39-yard run, and Devin Body Jr. had a 38-yard reception. I did not know that. But I'm already getting in now, Trevor, to a, to a, to my number three key. So let's go, get yeah, let's go, get yeah. to, let's get to your number yeah, three. My key number here. three key is all gas, no breaks. I, I want to see this Vanderbilt offense and defense come out hot, and I don't want you to take your foot off the gas. I want you to make Hawaii regret that 
however long ago they even scheduled this game. I want to make them regret that they even got on the plane to come to Nashville. I don't care if it is the third quarter and Vanderbilt is up 62 nothing. I want us to be in the playbook. I don't want it to be vanilla. I don't want gamesmanship to where you're like, okay, we're going to call the dogs off. No, I want the dogs off the leash the entire game. I want to send a message because not only does that send a message to your fans that, hey, we're about it this year. I think it also sends a message to your team that it says, hey, yeah, these guys are lesser are, are, are uh, lesser players than us. It's a lesser team than us. Yeah, it's week zero. But we want to send a message that Vanderbilt football does not mess around and that Vanderbilt football is going to play sound football offensively, defensively, and, and on special teams for all four quarters, no matter the score. And Vanderbilt did that last year against Hawaii, 63-10. to 10, And I think they're kind of proving what you're saying is – that does create a different sense of momentum and does raise some eyebrows when you beat the hell out of a team that you should beat the hell out of. Vanderbilt's a 17 and a half point favorite. I think a lot of the discussion as far as, you know, national pickums has not been whether Vanderbilt is going to win this game. It's whether Vanderbilt's going to be able to cover uh, a 17 and a half point spread after winning by 53 points last year. Vanderbilt sent a message at the beginning of last year. This is a different Vanderbilt team. They need to send that message again. I like that key three. My key number three, Trevor, is big plays. Control them and create them. Is number one, Hawaii runs the run and shoot style offense. Vanderbilt's question marks are in the secondary at corner. Do not give up big plays to Hawaii. Keep everything in front of you. Make them execute with a quarterback in Braden Shager that's shown he has trouble not turning the ball over. Yeah. They don't have a lot of proven talent at receiver. Do not give up big plays. If this secondary gives up big plays to Hawaii, I have a lot of concerns moving forward on this schedule about the secondary giving up big plays. And number two, or part B of my key number three, is exactly what I was getting into when I cut myself off, which is you lost your big play guy, really, in Mike Wright. You don't have a lot of proven big play guys. You have Gamarion Carter can create them. We've only seen it once last year against Uh Missouri. Will Shepard can create big plays. Quincy Sanders Jr. can create big plays. We haven't seen it outside of Will Shepard consistently. Yeah, I want to see multiple 40-plus yard plays. I want to see two-plus 40-plus yard plays, whether it's runs, whether it's passes. They only had one last year against Hawaii, and it was the Mike Wright run. I want to see large, big, chunk plays because that is how Vanderbilt is going to be able to score as the schedule increases in difficulty is big plays. They have the talent this year. They can do it. I want to see it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So we've got our keys one through three. Now it's time, Trevor. Do we want to do predictions and a little, a little gambling prediction? So our prediction and then what we both we'll, think. We'll, the, we'll do score predictions. Score, well. predi- score, yeah, so score predictions. So that'll tell us where then, we land on the yeah. line. Okay. But so to recap it here, my key, what are your keys to the game to recap them here, Trevor? My key number one is run game. Get it going early. Get it going Get it going hard. I want the Grease Gang absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, poor choice of words. Pause. Um, <laughs> I want the Grease Gang absolutely mauling these dudes up front. I want it to be a bloodbath. I want to see multiple pancake blocks. I want to see you absolutely dominate and embarrass the man in front of you. I want to see Cheeks. I want to see Guap. I want to see Seti. I want to see AJ. Tote the Rock. Big plays. I want to see them get touches out of the backfield. I want to see the run game really get going and really contribute on offense. Um, key number two, get AJ comfortable. Like I just said, that could come with the run game. I think it definitely should come with the run game. Give him easy passes early on, something that can build his confidence. So maybe in a in a drive or two, you have he has the confidence to throw it downfield, throw a bomb to Gamarion, throw a bomb to Quincy to Will, um, and just and and get him in a flow. Um, key number three. You know it. All gas, no brakes, baby. Make them regret that they came to Nashville. I don't care if it is 57 seconds left in a 72-0 ball game. Vanderbilt has the ball. I want Vanderbilt's objective to score. All gas, no brakes. Make them regret coming to the bank. Love that recap, Trevor. I'll run through mine real quick before we get into our predictions and score predictions for Vanderbilt Hawaii this Saturday. 
at First Bank Stadium at 6.30 p.m. My one through three keys to the game. Number one, create pressure and disruption on the defensive side of the ball. Number two, control and dominate the line of scrimmage on offense. And number three, create and control big plays. Trevor, it's time to get into our actual predictions. It's time to get them recorded. We've discussed this a lot. How do you see this game playing out? And what do you see the final score being? Vanderbilt is a 17 and a half point favorite. The over-under is 55 and a half points. Trevor, the floor is yours. I think that Vanderbilt should have no problem absolutely dominating this game. They should dominate this game. And if they don't dominate this game, I think it's actually going to be a huge red flag. Um, I think Vanderbilt should come out and in all three phases of the game absolutely dominate Hawaii. I think it should I think it should look like an SEC team versus a JV high school team. I I know it's week zero. I know anything can happen in college football. I really do believe that at every position on the field, Vanderbilt is so much more talented than this Hawaii staff or this Hawaii football team. I think even on the sidelines and in the press box with the coaches, um, Vanderbilt has better coaches, has more experience um, with the coaches. So I'm saying Vanderbilt, a final score, maybe a little bit of a hot take. I think Vanderbilt pitches a shutout. I'm going to go. Now, this is going to be different than my than my prediction I gave last week. I'm going to go. Further research has been done. So. I'm going to go 52-0 Vanderbilt. Damn. Bloodbath. So All with right. that being said, so I, I Vanderbilt does cover, um, but it the under hits. Yeah, the under does hit. I kind of don't like that because I think the over might hit. To be honest, um, it's too late. I haven't locked it in yet, you though. Lock it in. You got to hit the Zen pouches and lock it in. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna take Vanderbilt. I mean, I'm, take, I'm taking over. Vanderbilt with the points and the under. Yeah, because I don't. You're think taking over for Vanderbilt. I'm taking over. That's probably what I'll do. Yeah. Take over for Vanderbilt. points. You're taking over Vanderbilt points. I think Vanderbilt's at like 35 and a half. I'm absolutely hammering that to hell and back. Yeah, I like. I got to fact check me on that production crew yeah. once again, just CB laying around being lazy. But Trevor has the doors winning 52 to nothing. Easily cover the spread and the under hits because Hawaii is unable to score. My prediction is Vanderbilt should and will dominate this game. I'm not as confident in the complete and utter bloodbath that you are, Trevor. I think the run and gun with Timmy Chang does present some does present some issues. Just the scheme is it's it's the opposite of ideal. It's a terrible scheme for Vanderbilt to be faced up against in week one the run-and-gun style where Vanderbilt's weaknesses lie in the secondary. But the players on Vanderbilt's roster are still so much better that just because they're going to struggle against that scheme, the athleticism Vanderbilt possesses is so superior. Also, Timmy Chang's in year two. I like. There's some parallels you can draw mm-hmm. between this Hawaii program and this Vanderbilt program. Obviously not on the same level and same competition with Vanderbilt being in the SEC, but... Timmy Chang came in to a decrepit program and was trying to redo the program in one offseason. We saw how that worked out for Clark Lee in his first game of his Vanderbilt coaching tenure, losing to ETSU. Timmy Chang came out and got obliterated at home by Vanderbilt 63 to 10. I think you're going to see a big improvement in Hawaii, a massive jump uh, from them in year two. I still think they're going to be bad but they're not going to be as horrendously awful, still ranking in the bottom 10 of almost every statistical category in the entire FBS in the Mountain West Conference, I believe they're in. That sounds kind of right. That sounds right. But the fact that you're ranking at the bottom of all of FBS football while playing in a horrific conference of FBS football means you were horrible. So I think Hawaii is going to take a step forward. I think it's percentage-wise going to be a bigger step forward than Vanderbilt's going to take from year two to year three. But I think Vanderbilt was already significantly 53 points better than Hawaii. So I think there will be some frustration early. 
maybe a little bit of frustration similar to last year. There was Vanderbilt was yeah. down. Vanderbilt yeah. was down early against Hawaii. I threw I threw first, a beer can into the wall. After that first possession, I thought we were going to lose. They charged me $200 as well when I moved out of that apartment because I threw a, an empty beer can into the wall and oh. left a literally dime size, not even full dime. Like if you threw a dime at the wall, it would leave that. They charged me $200. What did they I charge left. you for the big hole by the door? More than $200. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but all that said, yeah, Vander- you're going to win that back this weekend. Yeah, Van- I'm going to win all that money back this weekend on the doors because Vanderbilt covers. My dad stole my prediction, so I'm going to adjust my prediction a little bit. Steve Byram responded to the door reports uh, tweet requesting their predictions, and me and my dad had not texted, and he tweeted the exact prediction I gave or had written down. So I'm going to go doors 48, Hawaii 17. I think Hawaii is going to be able to move the ball. I think I would be surprised if you you predicted a shutout. I would be surprised if Vanderbilt's able to keep Hawaii in single digits. I think they're going to create a couple plays, and they're going to be able to score. I think it could be 13, could be 10, but I'm going to say 17 for Hawaii. I think Vanderbilt is going to struggle a little bit because Hawaii, not struggle, that's the wrong word, but last year, as Phoebe tries to knock off the Jerry Stackhouse she's bobblehead, trying to break she the Stackhouse bobblehead. She does, she she does not back. Phoebe stack. is not on the we back stack train. Phoebe is one of the the five percenters. What's the five point eight percenter? Five point eight percenter. Phoebe is a five point eight percenter. But where Hawaii's weakness weakness truly lies, and I think their whole defense is a weakness, but. Vanderbilt dominated running the ball against Hawaii last season. They averaged almost 10 yards a carry, 9.2 yards per carry against the Rainbow Warriors last year, ran for 404 yards. That's not Vanderbilt's strength this year. I think it's going to take a second for them to get in rhythm, but I think Vanderbilt's going to dominate. I mean, that 48-17 makes it sound a little closer. I think Clark's going to work in some young guys, specifically in the secondary early Mm -hmm. once Vanderbilt gets up because they just don't have any depth. They don't even have starter depth. So I think he's going to rotate a lot in the secondary, and Hawaii's going to score kind of late. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you could see mid-third quarter, I think Vanderbilt could be up something like 35 or 42 to like 7 or 3, and then Hawaii could score kind of later. That's why I'm adding oh, it, because I think Clarkley's so really going not to Not as get, close as the like, score. I think, I think you're going to see Davion Walker in the game is what my predictions riding on that a guy that really was a wide fun. receiver going into camp change numbers. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but inevitably if Vanderbilt dominates early and I think it'll be a little bit of an adjustment, start a little bit slow, then the athletes take over and dominate. And then I think Clark is going to want to get some experience for an inexperienced secondary and real snaps. And I think that's going to result in Hawaii being able to move the ball in this run and gun offense because they're going to want to keep their starters in and get reps for them against SEC competition and move forward in their schedule because Hawaii has Stanford the next week. Yeah. On a Friday, on a short week, Hawaii is scheduled to fly to Vanderbilt and then play at Stanford on Friday. So they have a short That's week. Terrible. That's brutal. A lot of travel for the Rangers. Whoever Warriors. scheduled that should be fired. But yeah, I think Vanderbilt dominates. Final score prediction for me, 48-17, but not as close as that score indicates, and the doors still cover. Trevor, anything else to add on these score predictions or uh, how we see this game going? All I have to say is if you are not at the bank this weekend, then what the hell are you doing? We have waited since winter. For Vanderbilt football to come back. We have waited with bated breath. Hope, hope has sprung. That I don't remember, I don't remember the last time there has been this much hope around Vanderbilt football. It's been the James Franklin years. There is real tangible hope and expectations with this ball club. I don't care that First Bank Stadium is a construction zone. They can take the bleachers out for all I care. And that would give me just the more reason to stand and scream all game long. Tickets are still available. They are cheap. You need to be, this means too much to us. This means too much to Will. This means too much to me. And this means too much to everybody who's listening. If you were on the fence about coming to this ball game, you have no excuse. 
8 a.m., the sun will be rising in the sky. Temps will be rising, and the boys will be out there on asphalt, 110-degree asphalt, waiting for our beloved doors. The doors need you at the bank this weekend. It's the year of the unhinged. Construction is happening. It's, it's a wacky season. It's time to get crazy, baby. Violence will be taking place in lot two, but if you're not a person that likes violence, the tailgate is actually going to be an enjoyable and fun environment. Uh, we're going to have box fans hooked up. We're going to have, I think, six tailgate tents in total to provide shade in the grassy areas that we have. We're going to have Hawaiian chicken, hot dogs, burgers, beer, water, Gatorade. We're going to have everything you want. Blood. Music going, college football on the TV, and blood. Blood will be shed. And blood will be shed. because Violence be is violence. brewing. I have violent impulses right now. I do. Before we close this out, I do want to reference one thing. Barton Simmons quote tweeted our TDR tailgate draft graphic, and he quoted it with 8 a.m. kickoff question mark. I felt like he was taking a little bit of a shot. Is that how you read that? I don't know. I couldn't tell. It's At first, I read it as like 8 a.m. kickoff. Damn, these guys are crazy. That's how Second, I read it. Second, I read it as like 8 a.m. Why aren't they starting earlier? And I was like, Barton, if they open the lot at 6 a.m., I'll be there at 6 a.m. If they open it at 5, I'll be there at 5. 7, I'll be there at 7. The lot's open at 8 a.m. TDR will be getting there, getting in lot two, and getting set up. Whenever those gates are open, let us in. Sun's up. Let TDR's up. In. Let us in. Let us in. Let us in. Phoebe does not like that at all. Trevor, I think that's about it. Oh, my God. Three days away. Two days when this is being released tomorrow. Violence impending. For myself, Will Byram, and Trevor Hoolan. This has been episode 232 of The Door Report, sponsored by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. Anchor down, and let's ride. Screw the balls, baby! Woo!